This podcast is all about talking about the questions that we all have in relation to Christian life in the world. Have to um, put a camel through a needle or something. Mm -hmm. Then we have to, you know, face like, persecution. Like wear a mask. What <laughs> so, uh, a hot take. Hot take. <laughs> I'm a normal dude. George is a Presbyterian pastor. Right. This is not for homeschool Johnny. Yes, it is. Episode 16 of the Cool Kids Bible Study, your favorite podcast. Uh, this one's called I'm Sick of the Meek. Uh, mm. Speaking is Cole Tashan with me ever and always. Dear friend, the good reverend, George Erlinson. Ever and always. We have butt pants from each other. I don't know if we've shared that before, but we do. We have butt pants still, with our names you on them. Lost your. I, it has to be true. somewhere. It has to be somewhere. So, so I'll find it. It's probably in my dad's so, basement. So some, um, there was some like what, what was it? The softball team was trying yeah, to it was like our high, fundraise. Yeah, the high school softball team. Yeah, and they were like, they were like, oh yeah, we're gonna like sell butt pants, and it'll be so fun for the softball team, whatever. <laughs> and we were like, okay, well, let's ruin that. And then so we got butt pants with each other's names on the butts, right? Because the that's only man, as doing. far as I know, in the school to to, to order pants. <laughs> I want Mystic Blue with white lettering, um, and <laughs> so we ruined that, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Shout out Blair Academy softball. <laughs> Whatever. They got the money at the end. That's what's yeah. important. And and now we have like physical proof that we support women's sports. Yeah. So I don't want to hear anyone ever say that I didn't do my part to support female athletics, for which I'm very passionate. Yeah, good. That's that's good. Me I as well. Very passionate. Yeah, we, we they should be doing sports. Um, before we get into the meat of our topic, we've got a little bit of housekeeping to do. I received uh, <laughs> I received correspondence after our mm. last episode, Extreme Christianity, because mm. we did a little bit of a bait and switch with the title, which is kind of our shtick now. Sure. Uh, and we received some somewhat uh, pretty deserved criticism from uh one of our secular listeners listeners secular irreligious i don't know how how he prefers to be described but not a, a believing christian and uh his basic gripe was that we spent we had a whole episode titled extreme christianity and we just sort of like in his view evaded all of the topics that most Americans associate with extreme Christians, right? So he was saying, okay, well, when we think of extreme Christians, we're usually thinking about Christians that are super politically active or hold a lot of right-wing political ideas that stem from their Christian faith. And you guys didn't really address that. And I think the main point of our take was that we don't really find those aspects of Christianity extreme. Right. And that's kind of why we, we didn't really delve into them right so basically like let's take abortion as an example mm -hmm. um i used to be pro-choice i became pro-life in college um and then after well after college i became a christian so mm -hmm. as an atheist i was on the sort of like i guess you could say like religious right wing side of that right. issue but i never remotely believed in in god at that point so 
and that also applies to like he brought up public schooling and i was like yeah i've i've been for abolishing public schooling since i was like a kid <laughs> since i was in public schools <laughs> but you know so so i i just think that like there are probably christians that are more like it'd be interesting to hear from a christian who was politically left wing and then became a christian and wrestled with the fact that a lot of politically active um Christians in America, well, a lot, almost all of the politically active Christians in America are right wing. That would be Mm -hmm. interesting to hear from. I just think that given the unique case that I'm in, right, coming on here and just being like, well, I was politically on the right of a lot of these issues, right wing anarchism, whatever you want to call. Um, And then I became a Christian and I'm still on the right wing side of a lot of these issues. Just like, all right, sure. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I don't know what that says. It's not really that. But I, I totally feel like for where he's coming from, I'm sure he was sitting there waiting for us to be like, is he going to talk about like the evangelical lobby? And we just never did. And we were just like, it's so extreme that we think that Christ died and resurrected, which it is. But it's certainly not what grinds people's gears about uh, Christians in, in the in the public sphere in America. So, yeah. And he also was upset, not upset, but he, he kind of called me out on, uh, I had a, a miss, I had a slip of speech and said something along the lines of like, well, you know, atheists who hate God or atheists hating God, blah, blah, blah. And then I quickly tried to correct myself, but let me make it very clear. <laughs> I'm not one of these televangelists that are like, and do not believe these so-called atheists when they say they do not be- they believe in God. They just hate God. And then everyone cheers or whatever. No, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> I, think oh, that- I always cheer when they do that. Yeah, <laughs> preach, brother. <laughs> Get them. Get them. <laughs> that's what the Bible says we do to people who disagree with us, right? Straw man them and then uh, attack them. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think that like we're... Atheists and the Hitchens ilk, certainly, um, they regard God in the way that, you know, fans of Harry Potter regard Voldemort. Like They don't believe mm-hmm. Voldemort's real. And they hate Voldemort. They think Voldemort's right. a bad guy. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, he pointed out that, like, well, the atheism has changed over the And I'm like, yeah, I guess I kind of like haven't been following the latest development i don't know atheism plus happened a while ago i remember that oh yeah i remember atheism plus i think that's been rejected Uh, by a lot of people that's been rejected and now i think now i think the atheism movement is just sort of largely i mean it's kind of unfair to even characterize it as a movement because you know in, in the words of dawkins right it's like all we're saying is we don't ascribe to this one belief sure right like dawkins really strives to be like, like atheism is not another religion. We're not trying to, we're just trying to take a stance on one thing. It's a big Mm -hmm. tent. So uh, anyway, yeah, I just wanted to clear those up. Uh, Really great feedback. Obviously I do joke about (laughs) hating feedback, (laughs) but (laughs) as anyone who has actually written into the show knows, I, that is, I'm going to tear down the veil here. That's a joke. Yeah, do I do actually to respond to all of our feedback, and I do really enjoy it, even when it's critical, because uh, the critical feedback is invariably spot on. Mm. So anyway, thank you, Miles, for that message very much. It's it's always appreciated, and I'm glad we have a little back and forth. Um, 
Yeah. George, do you have any housekeeping? No. No one ever complains about me because I'm perfect. Let's move forward. It's true. You're very uncontroversial. All right. Fuck <laughs> it. Light banter. <clears throat> and now for a spot of light banter. Well, Cole, today was National Day of Prayer. How many hours of consecutive prayer did you do today? What? Who, whose nonsense holiday is this? <laughs> this is like the government or whatever. I don't. I don't what think it can be official. Fuck? I don't know if it's official or not. I'd have to look it up. But like, this is like the day that they have prayer breakfasts and stuff all over the United States. I think it like started in the fifties in the cold war or something i hope i don't if i'm wrong no one get really butthurt at me but i i know that it like started and so they they were like we need everyone praying doesn't matter your faith or your creed everyone pray Uh, no and so today's the national day of prayer no No, you know what today uh, is today is the 19th day of zadig or easter oh that's what today is okay we're almost Mm. halfway to pentecost Okay. Okay. That's all any Christian should be worried. National Day of Prayer is nonsense, statist bullshit. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can't tell me you observe this this insanity. Do I observe it? What do you mean by observe it? I mean, clearly you're aware of it, and to me, that's offensive enough. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, did I observe it? Yeah. I mean, like I prayed today, in the sense of like well, I had a prayer service. So. That's it. Well, but, I mean, yeah, yeah, I would hope. I mean, yeah. Can you imagine, dude? If 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 there is a pastor out there who goes a full day without engaging in serious prayer, I would be like mortified to hear that. Oh, it's it's not that surprising to me. It wouldn't be at all surprising to me. Um, I mean, but but uh. Yeah, when things become part of your job, it becomes more difficult to do them. At least in my experience, it's been the case. Sure. But anyway, sure. yeah, today was the National Day of Prayer. And so I had a prayer service. And uh, you can tell how much people care about it because only five people showed up. So, you know. Yeah. Some people yeah, had to go well, to their bowling practice or something. Very important. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand, like, I know this has become a theme of the show, but I don't understand how, like, there are Christians that are like, oh, I I believe in the resurrection of Christ, and then they're like, you know, it's not the most important thing in their life. But I also <laughs> believe that I'm close to a perfect game of bowling. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Jesus... <laughs> Give me, give me a strike. <laughs> Lord, guide my hand. Oh, Steerack. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Mikey Robbins still got it. <laughs> I showed that Muslim what's fur. <laughs> That's right, Saeed. I'm the better bowler because my God is true. <laughs> Why don't you ask a lot of God you're next bowl <laughs> like to those a inter, It's like those interfaith <laughs> soccer leagues and stuff like that where they have like the churches and mosques and temples play <laughs> against each other. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> those types of Christians are a lot of fun. 
Um, but yeah, I, I'll never really, because I am that weirdo that's at the like off schedule services, mm-hmm. you know. But sure, because why not? Over OD on Christ. <laughs> See if you can overdose on Jesus Christ. That is, <laughs> that is my because if you're that's if your you're challenge not to OD on Christ. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no, I did meet that challenge when. I was at uh <laughs> I was at like a four hour service that that ran from eight PM to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> that then I yeah, I successfully that's, I that's, have successfully OD. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 halfway through it I was like, What are we even doing here, man? <laughs> <laughs> what even is this? Uh yeah, I just started to become like a a thirteen year old uh, churchgoer. The church sure. is man made anyway, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Crossing your arms, no, uh, sitting there, uh, standing there. These people whatever. even know how cool I am. <laughs> I could be playing the Hot Wheels video game right now. <laughs> oh, yes. For those, I remember when I was Hot growing Wheels, up, I would, I had like the game guides that they used. To, you know how they used to sell game guides for stuff. And yeah. I remember I would bring my banjo kazooie game guide to church every Sunday, and read that instead of paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> guy, the guy at the front of the room is like literally unveiling the secrets of the universe, and you're like, <laughs> "Okay, so there, there, you can triple jump there." Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, the guy at the front is like literally just breaking down this the the secrets to everlasting everlasting and eternal life in bliss, and uh, you're over there like, oh no no way there's a, there's a hidden cave there, <laughs> oh and you yes. can unlock a chest, sweet <laughs> yes exactly, yeah it's important <laughs> stuff gang all right let's not downplay it. That is great. Yeah, I mean, look, it's just hard to pay attention as a kid in church. Like, even if you have, like, a devout family that teaches you and you have a good catechism, good Sunday school, it's like, at a certain point, it's it's dull. Like, this is why I, I, I kind of go back and forth on, like, okay, how involved, like, how much of the service should the kids be a part of? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, for your church, yeah. what do you guys do? Uh, we keep them there the whole service. I think it's important for them to get used to the rhythm of things and to understand why we do the things that we do. So that's that's right. really the re- like I know that they don't like you know they drift off while I'm on my sermon and stuff like that. I understand that, but like it's mainly just to get them used to it and to see adults engaging with it because like in a lot of churches you go and then it's like children's time and then it's like everyone downstairs to make macaroni art of Jesus. And then all the adults <laughs> <Yeah>. get to, <laughs> and uh, and yeah. so it's like you don't really know what's going on upstairs or wherever, and so it's just good to. I think it's good to get them used to things, but different parents, you know, mm-hmm. some parents just can't wait to get their kids out of their hands. So, yeah, you know, like for orthodoxy in general, it's a really big deal to have like little kids participating in communion and doing all of the things, right? Right. Um, in the in the Armenian Orthodox Church, I mean, it it varies by church, but I mean, we do like a three hour service, right? Right. Sometimes longer. 
So a lot of times they'll do like, you know, uh, Sunday school and then bring the kids in for the last hour. Right. Right. But your okay. your service is is what, like an hour and change? Yeah. Yeah. About yeah, an hour yeah. and okay. change. So it's not yeah, three think, hours. And so it's not a huge, like, you know, for a kid, that might be a huge commitment, but it's not a huge commitment in terms of time. Right. Right. And, and I mean, like. Yeah, for for a little kid to sit through three hours is is tough. Yeah. So anyway, um, we've got a Coles deep dive. Yes. For us today. Yes, yes we do. I'm so, excited. So I've been man, I've been champing at the bit uh, to, to get into this topic because um, it is a doozy. We're going to mm. talk about the third beatitude. And what is meant when Christ talks about the so-called meek? So here we go. Mm. Cole's Deep Dive. It's so, well, it's not as deep as George's Deep Dive, but I think you'll find what it lacks in academic profundity it more than makes up for in charm. (laughs) Ain't that a jingle? (laughs) Yeah, it is. Okay. So uh, today we're going to talk about the third beatitude. Um, and this is, uh, this is from the Sermon on the Mount, right? So mm. book of Matthew, uh, where this is, see, see, now I'm like in my own head about which translation I, I read for <laughs> the actual first reading, right? George, like, what, what do you? What, I got NRSV here, I got NIV. Uh, just do the NRSV, that's fine. I think the NRSV upsets the least amount of people, but no one loves it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Do you find that? Like, no one... I, I mean, I had... I had a... Uh, I had a discussion with an archdeacon, also named George, a few days ago, mm. a, in the Armenian church. And... Um, I mentioned the NIV to him and I have never seen eyes roll that far back into someone's head. <laughs> the N- over so, the NIV. Know, like the, yeah. 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 Like, well, you know, like the, the, in our Armenian church in Charlotte, like the English Bibles are in NIV and he's like, <laughs> never. Re- I'm like, what do you read in English? And he's like, well, King James. I'm like, okay. Here we go. <laughs> but and then he's like, but, you know, I mean, really, like anything other than classical Armenian. And if you're an Armenian Christian, what's the point? Like, badass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, OK, so we're going to do NRSV. Um, the Beatitudes. OK, it's from Matthew 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Right. So it's that third beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, that we're going to focus on today. Why? Because I get upset when people bring it up. In Bible studies, which happens all the time. Everyone's like, oh, I love that, like, the meek are blessed, right? It's very much like this uh, clip from Life of Brian, okay? Oh, the meek! Blessed are the meek, for theirs is the 
at all the meat. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? I'm glad they're getting something because they have a hell of a time. Right. So is it, these people think of this word meek uh, in its modern English context, which is someone who's kind of a doormat, right? Mm. Someone who kind of gets like, uh, is weak willed, gets pushed around a lot, is submissive, right? Because that's more or less what it means, you know? Um, but if you, if you look at the Greek uh, version of the Bible, if you look at the, just as importantly, our, the Jews would say more importantly, right? If you look at the Hebrew, right? Because Jesus is also constantly referring to the Old Testament, right? Mm -hmm. And the Old Testament uses uh, a different word for meek as well. So right, you have a lot of like spinning plates here. You have a lot of moving parts. You've got Jesus is speaking in Aramaic, right? Um, the Bible is is being the earliest ver versions of the Bible or many of them are in Greek and many of Jesus's followers are like writing in, in Greek. Right. And then you've got the Hebrew that he's referencing. So if something is confusing to you in English, you know, or if a word seems weird in English to you, like look, dive into that phrase in other biblical translations and in older biblical translations. Right. Because mm -hmm. the, the first one that most people go to, if, if they're confused about a word in the Bible or the, the history behind how something's phrased in the Bible, is they'll go to the Greek. And I think that's very good, right? I mean, George, this is something you do a lot, right? Yeah. Yep. This is like ba basic exegesis is you just, you go to the Greek because it's our primary source. So that would be the, the way that you, you would kind of get to it. Um, and, or if it's the old Testament, you go to Hebrew. So that's, mm -hmm. that's the best way of figuring out kind of, you do word study, you see where it pops up in other places, and then you can kind of get an idea of what they're getting at there. Although some words like the, the one that you're going to talk about are difficult to translate into English because we just kind of don't right. have word for it. Right. So, I mean, the Greek word is praus, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. That's Am I? I'm getting the nod yeah. from the good reverend. Praise be yeah. to Jesus. Um, and praus uh, was a word that was, it's best summarized as power under control. Uh, but there's also much more to it than that. So you'll hear it it's so, sort of quickly summed up as, oh, it's Prowse's power under control. But praus had a lot more to do with uh, obedience as well on top of that. So mm -hmm. under control, but under whose control? Uh, a great warhorse was very often referred to as well. A great warhorse must be prouse. It must have prouse. And so not only did it need to be, but a warhorse, right, is not a meek beast. It can't be timid, it, it, but it must be obedient, right? So it should boldly, it should proceed boldly in power and under its own strength, mm. but in obedience to its master. Okay. So, uh, that is a huge departure from what we understand to, to meek to mean today. Right. You know? Yeah. Big change. Big change. Yeah. I was looking at other translations as well in the English and it's funny to see kind of how, cause the translators know this and there's kind of two <laughs> options that they get. So the one, for those of you who don't know a lot about Bible translations, just for a fun fact, 
and this is a fun fact, of course, is that really when it comes to certain parts of the Bible, the King James Version has had such a cultural impact that it's really hard to change that without like ruining the translation for the average lay Christian. And the Beatitudes is one of those places. Psalm 23 is another place where maybe there's a better, more accurate way to use a certain word, but you're going to just go fall back on how the King James Version translated because that's how everyone learned it in Sunday school. And blessed are the meek is, is right out of the King James Version. Some other translators will try and do kind of what like Cole's doing and use other words for it. But like, even when you read it, you're like, mm, it doesn't sound right or something. You know, that's how culturally so, ingrained it is. Yeah. I mean, what would what is your solution to this kind of problem? Yeah. So, well, so my solution to this is if I was like leading a Bible study on it would be to stop and then talk about what that word means. I actually yeah. like just pulled up a bunch of different ones, you know, here just to see. Um and, you know, they have different ways. So a lot of it, a lot of people who do it are like, blessed are the gentle, blessed are the humble. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorites is uh, blessed are those who have no pride in their hearts. Uh, <laughs> and wow. It's like, so they're all trying to get at this idea, but they're not like, we just don't have a word, one singular word that communicates that type of thing. And so people will just be like, well, the King James version sounds nice. So we'll just say meek. So I, I usually uh, like yeah. to do a word study with people. If I were to do it. When there, if I were translating a Bible, not to, not to nitpick these, these poor people, <laughs> like <laughs> one of the hardest jobs in, in academia. Um, I would literally just put blessed are the prouse and then footnote it. Mm. And just force people to do some <laughs> to learn that Greek word. <laughs> yeah, I mean we do it with amen, right? Amen is, is I mean we do it with alleluia. Um yeah. so we, yeah, we do it with amen. We do it with all we do it with a few different words. Yeah. So, I mean, to me it's like that's a really 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 important one. Sure. Meek. A and it changes. Okay, so when you go from saying like blessed are the submissive, it's just kind of or blessed are the sort of like mealy mouthed or but it, it 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 changes the whole emphasis really when you when you understand what what the concept of prouse okay mm. and then of course like in the hebrew we have anav uh or anav or please don't hate me jews <laughs> jewish friends i'm going to it's it's hebrew i'm going to butcher it so i'm going to pronounce it as anav <laughs> but i'm sure that's wrong and I promise I'm doing my best. But we're told in the Old Testament that uh, Moses was the most anav of all the men, right? And this is the word that's that's translated as meek. And this is also the word that is referred to in the Psalms, right, that Jesus is referring to. So this is a concept with which, you know, Christ will be – a concept Christ will be referencing a lot. So, okay – Anav, similarly to Prouse, right, has to do with obedience to God. You know, it, it has to do with, so one who is Anav, right, is one who is always mindful of God and mindful of his instructions. Mm. So again, you go, goes back to this war horse, right? So the war horse yeah. is a powerful beast, right? A powerful uh, animal, 
um, that is in its own right, like capable of being bold and proceeding forward. But a war horse, a great war horse is always, is also always eternally mindful of its master, right? The, the, its rider basically. Mm. So, so the, the person holding the horse's reins. So in this case, right, God is, is the one holding your reins. So you should be tough. You should be bold. You should be strong because being a Christian requires all of those things, especially in a world that's often uh, hostile to Christianity or to the, the way that Christians live. Um, you, you need gumption, right? Mm-hmm. But you also need to understand who holds your reins. These are the people who, per Christ, will inherit the kingdom. Or, sorry, in, in, mm, the earth. inherit the earth. <laughs> Very important <laughs> distinction. <laughs> um, so, when you start to understand Prowse and Anav and like how they sort of mesh together, right? This adds such a depth and richness to the understanding, right? This is why... You know, the title of the episode is I'm Sick of the Meek, <laughs> because <laughs> it, it's unfortunate that this is such a famous, like, verse of the Bible, and it is so badly translated. Yeah, that is just it. it to me, I was like, we need to do an episode on this. And I need to I need to complain about it because, yeah, you're right. Like, there's so many Bible studies where. You know, I mean, you do the Sermon on the Mount so many times in different Bible studies, and rightly so. And there's always someone who's like, well, my favorite part is 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 that the meek get a shout out because they have a hard time. You know what? Like, I'm sorry. If you can't – okay. I'm not going to go attack the meek. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but at the same time, I think that we have this idea that people that there's something noble about being a doormat. Mm. And I think it's linked to this mis mistranslation. It's someone who is like a mealy mouth doormat that there's something admirable there. As far as I'm concerned, there's absolutely nothing admirable there. If you are a sort of weak-willed person who gets pushed around all the time because they're weak-willed. Right. I'm not impressed with you, and I don't think God is either. It's much different... To have power under control and and to have restraint and to have fidelity and obedience to God, right? So it's it's much different, right? If you are uh, skinny as a rail dude, who, of course, I'm going to bring it back to martial arts, but like, <laughs> if you're as skinny as a rail dude who has no fighting experience, right? And someone comes up to you at a bar and like who's ripped and a cage fighter or something and spits in your face and tells you to go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. It's much different if that guy decides not to fight. Right. Then if it's the opposite, right. Flip it. Right. So, so they say, and that's there, the skinny dude who doesn't know how to fight. Right. Just, just wipes the spit off his face and says, I'm sorry, sir. Right. And then <laughs> minds his own business and, and you know, tries to get away <laughs> from the situation. <laughs> I'm not impressed with that. That's not impressive, right? Versus, right, if you're a cage fighter and some skinny, like, weak dude comes up to you and spits at your face and tells you to go fuck yourself, if that guy wipes the spit off and says, 
hey, you got to get out of my face, but I'm not going to fight you over this. That is Prowse. Right? That is enough. Mm-hmm. That is power under control. That is obedience to God, right? Um, yeah. That is God holding your reins. You don't need to put reins on the the shrimpy uh, guy. <laughs> does not need, like, the war horse needs reins. You know? Right. The shrimpy dude, he does not need, he's not, he's, he's not, uh, you know, he doesn't have any power to control. <laughs> Yeah. In this scenario, right? Um, so it's just like I'm not impressed. With, and so for people thinking that, like, I'm just taking this to a toxic masculinity level for no reason, we could apply this to the working world as well, right? You could apply this to, like, business meetings where one uh, CEO has a lot of power and influence over another CEO who he's uh, doing a hostile takeover of their business, Mm-hmm. And physicality has nothing to do with it, but you know, obviously, the, the discrepancy in power is huge. And the more powerful CEO, when insulted by the less powerful one, decides not to bane capital style shred their company to bits and liquidate sure. everything and ruin their their entire uh, life's work, but instead to, uh, despite the fact that he's been insulted, um, to you know act in a godly way and to respect and love the person to, to his best capacity. So um, just visually the whole like physical fighting thing makes it easier. But yeah, of course this applies to all aspects of life, not just the the physical. Um, so this is just such an important thing mm. that people get so darn wrong <laughs> that right. I just, I had to, I had to bring it up. And so we have, okay. Georgie, we've gone through Anav. Do, do you have anything to add to Anav? Not particularly. Um, I the only thing I have to add as to where as to who you might be able to blame, although I don't, I, I don't know enough about it just to be super clear. But you might be able to blame Jerome because Jerome uses a very certain Latin word in his Vulgate translation of the Greek uh, mitis, which is like a uh, which means like gentle or humble or meek. Uh, kind of has like a that lower status and so like obviously in the latin west the vulgate was like the major influence on a lot of mm-hmm. translators and thinkers and how it was thought about so that way became the way that people in the west kind of some people in the west kind of understood it um i think like an easy way if you're ever confused about it is like uh, like the beatitudes aren't by them like they are by themselves but they flow in the whole sermon of the mount and like Jesus gives examples of what he expects us to do in these types of situations. So this is also just a you know a few things down. You get like turn the other cheek, and if your enemy gives asks you for you know this, give him this. And if he wants you to carry his things for one mile, go for two. Right? It's this idea that you can resist, you can fight back against these people, but don't. Um, right. And it's not like this weakness. It's actually like, oh, you want me to do this? I'll do this. And I'll actually go above and beyond what you're kind of expecting me to do. Um, not because yeah. I fear you, but because that is what the Lord requires me to do. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. that that kind of helps to bridge and give actual substance to kind of what Jesus is saying in this whole whole section of, of his teaching. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we have to take all of these within 
their context and mm-hmm. uh you take the sermon on the mount as a sermon um and so obviously it's 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 all related to itself and and the bible is also sort of hyperlinked to itself <laughs> in <laughs> thousands of different ways right sure. so so it's um it's constantly self-referential mm-hmm. um so that's another way that we can like find clarity in in exogesis um but yeah so now are you ready to get into the classical armenian everyone's favorite part (laughs) of course everyone's excited it's the moment you've all been waiting for the (laughs) kurapar translation of the bible Uh uh-huh yeah we call the bible god's breath too which is fun like the armenian word for it yeah it's cute. So, so in the Armenian, the classical Armenian translation of the Sermon on the Mount, the word that is used to in in, in the place of meek or anav or uh, praus is hezots, mm. and hezots is a, deri- a derivative of uh, the word yez, which means ox. So it's it's one of these things where they put the huh in front of yes and it becomes hez. And in classical Armenian, when you put a huh in front of something, it emphasizes it. It it's like makes it bigger. Sure. Uh makes it greater, of greater importance. So uh the you can think of it as like the extremely ox like. Right. Right. And so why did they say instead of meek, ox like? Right. Because there are also references to the ox being yoked. Sure. Right. So like, what is an ox? Well, an ox is a very strong willed, tough, powerful creature, but it can also be extremely docile at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially, right. If it's yoked, you, you throw a yoke on it. And um, so the the what the classical the writers of the the translators of the Bible of the scriptures into classical Armenian were were kind of saying here is like okay, um, you have to be this strong willed, powerful creature, mm-hmm. but you have to also be yoked to God. So God is holding your yoke. It's a very similar idea to the, the, the Greek idea of like a Prouse warhorse. Sure. Right? So what becomes really cool about how the phrasing in Armenia works and Armenian works is that like the rest of the phrase, you know, um, goes on to talk about uh, inheriting the earth. But in the Armenian version, it's an implication that the his oats right it, it's like you're the ox inheriting the earth that you plow mm. which is pretty nifty yeah they're able to connect <laughs> you know? the two the two things together right it, it, it's very a very elegant translation because it connects uh all of these things um so and 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 also right there there are references in Matthew about being yoked right 
So I just kind of I, I like this idea because mm-hmm. they were all about like yoked livestock in the ancient world were just a very commonly used metaphor for things because sure. they were ubiquitous, right? Yeah. So, okay. This yeah. is this is Matthew eleven uh, verses twenty eight and twenty nine. Come to me, all those laboring and being burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am, okay, meek or praus or anav or hezots. Right. Uh, because I am hezots <laughs> and lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is Jesus describing... Uh, what it means to be, first of all, that like he is kind of, so Jesus says in, in, in scripture, right? Like I can, the son can only do as the father, right? So he's kind of referencing the fact that like he is yoked mm-hmm. in a way, um, not to sort of get into any kind of heretical interpretations of the Trinity. <laughs> okay. And you can help <laughs> me clarify those. <laughs> but, but, um, just what we need someone to get all mad at, at Trinitarian theology. Exactly. For next, exactly. Uh, for our next housekeeping <laughs> segment. But, but that like sort of, so, uh, we are yoked to God through Christ. And then mm. his yoke is easy and light and his yoke serves us. Right. Like for for an ox, the yoke isn't really doing much. So this is an important clarification he's making. Right. Because for the ox, the yoke isn't really doing much for the ox, is it? Mm -hmm. You know, Um, but for us, like our our, the burden is is light. The yoke is easy because Mm -hmm. this is a yoke that serves us. And in fact, we are unable to become our true selves without this being yoked to God. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. we, we lose ourselves to sin. Um, and so the Armenian version, I, I really like this idea of being hezots because it very nicely and elegantly connects and meshes all of these concepts together. Um, and so, yeah, it's, 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 it's been, it's been fun to, to dive into that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be, it'd be interesting just to see all the, I mean, it's always interesting just seeing all the various ways that the Bible is translated and like how some languages can do some concepts really easily uh, and other and like, and like cannot do some things. It's just really interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get it, right? Like Hezots, right? Like, um, I try translating that into English and seeing how you do. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I mean, what, what, like it's again, I without it, without these... it being like this long. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Without yeah. it being just a foot of of text, um, right. you, it's just not possible. So I don't want to rip on Bible translators because, like you said, right, they have like cultural restraints, they have linguistic restraints. They have, it's very, very tough. Which is why, at the end of the day, I mean, everyone just needs to learn classical Armenian. But until we get there, <laughs> yeah, of course, that that seems to be the logical <laughs> thing. Don't worry about the Greek or the Hebrew. Go with the Armenian. <laughs> no, go with the Armenian because Hezots is such a more elegant concept than uh, Anav or Praus. So, <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was Cole's deep dive. <laughs> good. It was good. Did it was good. Miss- it was deep. It was a dive. Did- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It made all up the marks. 
Yeah. Yeah, did we miss anything? I'm trying to think. Uh, there might be some fun facts that I left out, but uh, I don't know. Do you have any any other, like, Prouse, Anav, or, or Hezotes-related uh, stuff? <laughs> Certainly not for Hezotes. Uh <laughs> No, not not really. I I, uh, I I just wanted to sit back and relax, enjoy the ride, enjoy the submarine. So well, yeah. I hope you um, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope the listener enjoyed it. Uh, and with that, we've got a steaming hot question to get into. So without further ado, I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. You got Q's. I got A's. Something. Yeah, sure. All right. All right, Cole, what's the Q so we can give an A? <laughs> well, the Q comes from uh, a certain special little guy. Oh, gosh. Named Thomas Wong. Uh. Thomas Wong writes I have a rash on my left leg. <laughs> it's discolored. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Um, Here's the picture of it. Can you tell me what it is? <laughs> Got his podcast mixed up. Should be hitting up Dr. Drew. Uh, okay, mm. question for your podcast. Suicide. Can Christians do it? Is it prohibited in the Bible? Now, this guy went to Princeton Seminary, <laughs> right? You'd think he'd probably have learned this at some point. To be I assume fair, he's cracked open a Bible now and then. To be fair, Thomas Thomas went to West Virginia University, and so he's a party animal. And so he also partied at seminary uh, all, all his years there. So he was kind of one of those guys that was in class just scribbling in his notebook and hungover. So maybe he, he wasn't paying attention. I don't is this know. why he lives in the Rapongi district of Tokyo? Yes. Yes, it is. Fact. 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 <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who okay. knows tokyo great joke um, great inside tokyo joke <laughs> we have four uh, listeners there yes yeah yeah so um <laughs> so suicide it was it is it permitted in the bible can, is that what he said do we do can we do it can christians do it is it prohibited in the bible Hmm. So in terms of question or something, yeah, I know. I think in terms of like, it's one of those things actually, that's really interesting to think about because it's not explicitly forbidden in the sense of like, you know, Jesus is like, Hey, don't kill yourselves or whatever. And we do have people in the Bible who, (laughs) who, who, uh, can you imagine (laughs) who, uh, who do commit suicide? You have like Saul, uh, and other Old Testament uh, characters that fall on their sword. Uh, you have Judas, who most famously commits suicide. Um, and so you you have you do have people that do it, but you don't have any, I would say, explicit command not to. Yet it's interesting, right? Because the the Christian faith has always taken a taken a pretty hard stance against uh suicide and so like suicide most famously the catholic church with their uh teaching that you know if you commit uh, a suicide and you die you go to hell um regardless of your salvation believe this as well with with many caveats 
Orthodox okay. in general believe this as well, with caveats, right? So, like, if you are not of sound mind when you do it, then there can be exceptions. Or gotcha. But if you're like, okay. if you kill yourself of sound mind, technically, an Eastern Orthodox Church isn't supposed to give you a full like burial funeral service. Not a full. Yeah. No, they'll bury you all the way down. It's not like they bury oh, you. Oh well, no, I meant yeah, I meant like a burial funeral service. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They do a different only three service. feet for you. um yeah so you do have like hey it's a good example again of like in both the eastern and western traditions of the church strong condemnation of of suicide uh and so like you know where do they get this idea from well there's just generally this idea of scripture of like using your body and not abusing it um and uh and that there's you know if you kill yourself that is like the ultimate abuse and you can easily extrapolate out of murder right this idea that like even a taking of any life right thou shalt not kill is a pretty broad Mm -hmm. way of saying it and so thou shalt not kill it includes yourself uh it doesn't actually kind of it doesn't mean that you know you get bodily autonomy over yourself so you can do whatever you want um and so you know they they you can't just kill yourself and that's why the church took a really hard stance against it um and so i think the reason thomas is asking this is because last week i sent a um a a article around i don't know if i sent it to you as well but there was a church in canada a more progressive denomination and in canada they have end of life like you know like elective suicide physician assisted suicide whatever i I can't remember exactly Mm. what they call it um but a church held (laughs) yeah a church held a service for a woman who was who is going to commit who's committing suicide and she did it in the church and like had people surrounded her and like they were all celebrating the fact that she was going to end her life and she did and so i sent it around to to other people last week and so it sparked a lot of interesting conversations but Oh, but that man. would be greatly outside of the orthodox and here I'm using orthodox in the sense of like the traditional Christian understanding of something orthodox understanding yeah. of of suicide. It would be it's like strictly prohibited. Um, and and, you know, obviously, as you're saying, with caveats, uh, like, you know, there is this understanding, you know, of of mercy and things like that. And we don't have to speculate on things, uh, but it it is it it is something that we consider evil which is why the church is always yeah hard i mean i've it. heard crazy stories like there um i mean people who've who've jumped off bridges and i forget the guy's name but he he attempted suicide he jumped off of a bridge mm-hmm. and as he jumped he instantly regretted it and like prayed for forgiveness Mm -hmm. and he ended up living so he barely lived good for him but he sort (laughs) of like (laughs) tells this story where he's like and it was like a come to god moment for him sure um and then that sort of gets the gears turning it's like okay if he had died would god have heard that prayer and would would the suicide have a different meaning right like so so a lot of orthodox priests would say yeah basically um and so i mean others might say no it's too late or something but i mean i think we can think about in that context uh 
the thief on the cross beside Christ who came to Christ as he was dying, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I also, I just want to, because I know we have some some uh armchair philosophers out there in the audience uh that we uh that i want to just make a quick distinction that uh because immediately because i one of my friends did this and he listens to this podcast he'll be like well uh you know like everyone who you know like it's a suicide like the people who threw themselves out of the tower in 9 11 uh that's you know they're going to hell or um uh, or, you know, like a soldier who throws himself on a grenade to save his friends like that. That's a suicide. So you can't say all suicides are bad. It's like, all right. Just to be clear, what we're talking about here is the taking Dreary of your life. <laughs> right. <laughs> is the take is the taking of your life that all of us think of 99.9% of the time when we think of suicide um, in the sense of out of desperation uh, or some sort of. um uh, for honor or something like that. Uh, Self-murder. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about you either burn in a tower or jump out. We're not talking about jumping on a grenade to save your friends. I would say that was a sacrifice, not a suicide. Uh, and so that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about here is is the, the way that we all think about suicide. Um, <laughs> and I don't, you know, I just want to be clear because I know that we'll probably get a, we'll have to do housekeeping if we don't, cover every single base for you people so and while we're covering bases uh don't commit suicide uh, if you yep. are experiencing suicidal thoughts uh you can call 1-800-273-8255 so again that is 1-800-273-8255 for the national suicide prevention lifeline uh do not mm. kill yourself yes so now that we have that out of the way uh, we've had a lot of fun with suicide today, but I want the, the listener to know it's a serious topic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, man. Look at this. We're yeah. at 54 minutes. We knocked this bad boy out easy. See, when I do the deep dive, it's, it's smooth. Yeah. Me, I'm always shuffling between my notes, like, a like an ill-prepared academic at a conference. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make a good point, but instead I just look like an idiot. Yeah, yes. well, what you have to understand about eleventh century exegesis is uh, <laughs> they were culturally influenced by a completely different understanding of the lecturing of to an empty room outside of like three other scholars who are half asleep <laughs> or on their phones. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. C Calvin actually has a greater understanding of the <laughs> earliest church. Than the than the fourth century uh, Eastern Orthodox Church fathers, um, so fact check true, <laughs> bold, um, yeah. So all right, listen, let's put a let's put a bow on this thing, listener. Thank you very much for sticking with us. As always, uh, we really appreciate the support. We love the questions. We love the feedback as much as I make fun of it. Uh, and if you have enjoyed listening to us rant and ramble about Christ, then we would really appreciate it if you could tell your friends about this show or uh, leave us a five-star review on wherever you listen to this thing. Or you know what? Go crazy. Do both. And uh, if you are failing to evangelize, then send your friends to us and we will do it mm. for you. Amen.
Amen. All right. See you next week. Stay cool, cool kids. Peace out.